0: Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. We're continuing our uh, sermon series on the faces of faith. What does it look like to be a person of faith? And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, perseverance, or really persistence in faith. And we all love a good story of persistence, don't we? I mean, I read one this last week. So there's a guy named Mark Apple, in 2013, he was the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Came out of Stanford, was one of the best players in college. 2013, he's the number one guy. This weekend was the first time he was ever called up to the big leagues. Nine years. Nine years of being in the minors, just continuing to do that. He even quit for a little bit, but then he came back and started. And the Phillies brought him up this week to be one of their pitchers. I thought, that is a great picture of persistence. Um, I'm listening to a podcast these days that Ken Zell told me about, and I think it's okay to say these words in church, but it's called History That Doesn't Suck, okay? (laughs) So it's a really great podcast. It's a a professor in, in Utah who tells stories about American history, and it makes it really fun to learn and all that, but I'm... Right now, I've just started getting into the Civil War, and you, and you start learning about Abraham Lincoln, right? And what you learn about Lincoln is he lost many more elections than he ever won, that he had a business that failed, that he had uh, two children that died, and in fact, the elections leading up to the presidency, he lost two in a row trying to become the senator of Illinois. And yet... He had this persistence that he kept trying and kept going and all that. And so today, what I want you to think about is, what does it mean for you to have persistence in your faith? What does that mean for you? That that when you hit an obstacle, you don't just kind of give up. And we're going to look at two different people in Scripture today that I think are really great pictures uh, of what that means. And if you have a Bible or a phone that has the Bible on it, you can... uh, Turns here. It's going to be in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 is where we'll start. And these are both, is a very well known event in Jesus' ministry. So here's how it starts out Mark 5, 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Hey, one thing, if, if you are new to learning about Jesus or anything like that, but almost everywhere Jesus went, a crowd gathered. There was a desire to hear from him. There was a desire just to be around Jesus. And this is another instance of that, is that they cross over, he gets out of the boat, and right away there is a crowd that is gathered around him to listen to what he has to say. And then this man named Jairus comes running up to him and falls at his feet. Now, Jairus, it says, is one of the leaders of the synagogue. And what that means is that in the local town, there was the, a, a, a building that was the synagogue. It was where the people would gather to worship. And Jairus was one of the people that... that um, took care of that place. He, he would be the one that uh, set up the different meetings and r- helped run things and all that. So he was a very well-known person in the community, probably fairly wealthy because it would take money to be do this. He's, he was well-respected in the community. And this was a fairly dangerous move for Jairus to make because the people who will have the greatest conflict with Jesus are the ones that teach in the synagogue, it's the rabbis. It's the religious leaders. It's the ones that just did not like what he was doing. And so for Jairus to actually make this move to come to Jesus, it was a fairly dangerous move for him to do this. But desperation has drove him to this, right? And, and those of us that are parents that have had kids, we can only imagine what it would be like if your 12-year-old daughter was at the point of death. And seemingly, everything else you had tried, nothing had worked. And so he comes to Jesus, and he falls at his feet, and he says, please come with me. And he has, he has faith, right? If you put your hands on her, she will live. And then that last line, so Jesus went with him. And I'm thinking, of course. Why would you not go with Jairus? He's an important guy in the community. I mean, I'm sure the disciples are thinking, Finally, this is great. We've got somebody that's important who wants us to go with him. Come on, Jesus, let's go. And they take off. And and you think, of course, you would go with Jairus. Jairus deserves to have Jesus' attention. Do you ever think like that? I, I think we do. I mean, I just can only think for myself, I guess, on this. But there are times where you think, well, you know what? I've been good to Jesus, so he should be good to me. Now, we do this kind of in funny ways as as guys sometimes. So just to let you, everybody know about this. So when guys go out and play golf, Christian guys go out and play golf, okay, and you're teeing off and you're all hitting. And one guy, somebody, hits it and it's going towards the trees. And it hits the tree and bounces right into the middle of the fairway. Christian guys say, good thing you had that quiet time today. (laughs) Good thing you spent time with Jesus because he just took your golf ball and threw it into the middle of the fairway. But we joke like that sometimes, but we think that way. We think, you know what, if I'm I'm good for God, if I do things for him, he'll, he'll do things for me. So it makes all the sense in the world that Jesus would leave and go help Jairus. Jairus has been this religious leader in the community, of course. So there's a crowd that goes with them. It starts in verse 25. It says this. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Uh, the J.B. Phillips version says that they jostled at his elbows. I like that phrasing, that this crowd is all around him. And a woman was there who had been the subject of, to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had... Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So you got this crowd that's going with Jesus. They're going to Jairus' house. It's an important deal. A 12-year-old daughter's about to die. Jairus is an important guy. We're all going along, and the crowd is there with Jesus. And an unnamed woman who's completely on the opposite side of Jairus is in the crowd. If you think about this woman just a little bit, right, that, that she is a woman, first of all, and Jairus is a man, and in that culture, men were highly regarded as opposed to women. She's poor. It says that she has spent all her money on doctors and has not gotten any better. And I, I just like this about Scripture. I'll just say it here. So this is in the, the Mark's version of this. In Luke's version, where he talks about this, this event, Luke, who was a doctor said nothing about the doctors taking all her money, okay? I just, so it's just a really interesting thing about Scripture, how there's a little bit of differences here and there. But so in Mark, it's the, hey, the doctors couldn't do anything, took all her money. Luke forgot to mention that part. Okay, so it's just kind of interesting. She's sickly. She has an illness, this blood hemorrhaging that would make her weak. And she is considered, because of this bleeding, unclean. And what that means is that if you're unclean, you cannot go to the synagogue. You cannot be a part of the religious activities of that community. You're not even supposed to be socially around anybody else because if you touch them or around them, they then become unclean. So this is the opposite spectrum from Jairus. And there she is in the crowd, and she has been dealing with this for 12 years so she is desperate also, right? And this is where it's, where it's helpful. So the Greek word that's used here that's translated, you know, where it says that she thought, if I only touch his clothes, I will be healed. That, that thinking, the, the wording there thought is this sense of continuous thinking, sort of this going over it in your head again and again and again. And that's what this woman has to do. Because imagine, there's so many times on this day where she got up where she could have talked herself out of getting to Jesus. She wakes up again, not feeling well. Now, I'm just going to stay in bed today. She gets up, and she had heard about Jesus. She says, I heard he's in town. I think I'll go try to see him. And you start to walk into town, but then you remember, okay, I'm unclean very uncomfortable being around people. I don't want to touch people. And then all know there's this large crowd around Jesus. How am I going to get to him? And then he goes off and he's starting to go to Jairus' house. And Jairus is this important guy in the community. And it's like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to mess up what's happening. I don't want to get in the way. And I probably won't even be able to get close enough to Jesus. Time and time again, this woman had to say, no, I'm going to persist. I'm going to continue. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow these obstacles to get in my way. Each of them she overcame by faith, the faith that Jesus could heal her. So she keeps going. She makes her way through this crowd that's jostling at Jesus's elbows. And she gets to where she can just reach out and touch the end of his cloak, and she does. And she feels it right away. She's healed. And I imagine she just stopped in her tracks. And the crowd continued, and she's like, oh, I am healed. And then in verse 30, it says this. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? So, and it says this, and the disciples are like, what do you, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? Hey, who out there touched Jesus on the way here? You're, there's all this crowd around you. Who touched Jesus? Did you touch him? You touched Jesus, lots of people touched you. But Jesus knows, no, no, no. Somebody with faith reached out and touched me. Somebody who, who needed something from me touched me. Verse 32, it says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Again, I love Scripture. It's just so interesting, right? Jairus falls at Jesus' feet. The woman falls at Jesus' feet. She's trembling with fear. Told him the whole story. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So I imagine again that this woman was hoping just to slip away to touch the cloak to have the faith to reach out to experience the healing and then turn around and go home but but, but jesus doesn't let her do that and it's beautiful that she falls before jesus's feet and she tells jesus the whole story right the years of illness the money that was spent on doctors, the desperation that she was felt, maybe even that day what it was like to try and get to him. She tells Jesus the whole story. And Jesus calls her daughter. Isn't that beautiful? It's a really intimate, warm, tender word because you see, Jesus knows that this woman needs much more than just physical healing. That for 12 years, as she has dealt with this disease, as she has dealt with what she's going through, that she has been isolated from others, that she has felt emotionally uh, down, that she has been socially ostracized, that she is needing something. She needs so much more to know that he sees her as a daughter, as a loved one. It's really beautiful. She needs emotional and relational healing. And then Jesus says to her, your faith has healed you. This faith that to continue to kind of just get through every obstacle that would have kept her from getting to Jesus has healed her. And here's the other thing this conversation that Jesus is having with the woman, I, I imagine Jairus is over there going, okay, Come on, remember where, where we're going? My, my daughter, okay, I'm not, I'm, this is great, you just, but let's get going. But the conversation that Jesus is having with the woman is as much for Jairus as it is for her. Because Jairus is going to need this same type of faith. He's going to need a faith that is persistent because really bad news is about to come. In fact, uh, as they're standing there, some men from Jairus' house come and they say, uh, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any longer? Again, as one that has daughters, I can't imagine that statement. Why bother him any longer? I think it's I think this is a true statement here too is that sometimes what I wondering sometimes we feel like we're bothering Jesus do you ever feel that way sometimes i mean sometimes you feel like do you really care about this look you know you you've got such big things going on in the world you know you got a war over in ukraine you've got Poverty in Africa, you've got division in our country. Do you really care enough that I just don't want to bother you with my stuff? Sometimes I can feel like I, I don't really want to bother you with this, and that's just the phrase that they're... But what, because what, but what Jairus is about to experience is the ultimate test. Your daughter is dead. And then verse 36, here's what Jesus says. He ignores what the people had said... And he said to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And then I just i am wondering what the rest of that walk back to Jairus' house was like. For Jairus, for Jesus, had the crowd dispersed a little bit since it's not such a big deal anymore? Did Jesus kind of put his arm around Jairus and say, let's keep going? And the wording that's used here, again, that's where it says, just believe, it's a just continue to believe. You've shown faith by coming to me, Jesus says. Continue to have that faith even now in the midst of something that's really terrible that's happened. So then verse 37, it says, Jesus uh, did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. Again, I, I, I just wonder if in my soul sometimes I laugh at Jesus at what he is asking me to do, said he can do, asking me how to live. Sometimes we we just don't connect well there. But then he puts everybody out. He takes the father and the mother and the disciples who are with him to the child, and he, he takes her by the hand, and he he says to her, Talithim uh, Kolom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stands up. And at this, it says, they were completely astonished. Of course, they were. Then he gives strict orders not to let anybody know about this. He told them to give her something to eat. Again, Jesus is so intimate and caring that this word little girl, again, has this tenderness to us. As he speaks to the child, he he lifts her by the hand. He, he brings life back into her dead body. It's... He's also so practical. He says, she's probably hungry. Give her something to eat. And we've got two very different people in different settings in the society. We've got one who's a man and the other who's a woman. We've got one who's rich, the other who is poor, one who ran the synagogue and the other who hadn't been in years. We've got one who's healthy, one who's sickly, one who is known, one who is unknown, And yet, both are called to be people of faith. And the type of faith that continues to faith, continues to have faith even in the midst of obstacles, even in the midst of discouragements, called to keep on faithing. So my my question for us today is this. Where is Jesus calling you to have persistent faith? Where is it that you feel like, I'm not sure I can keep believing in this area. I'm not sure that, that, Lord, you can actually reach that family member that's kind of lost. That, That, Lord, you can actually come into my work setting and change things so that it's a better situation for me. That, that, Lord, it's, maybe it's a health issue that you're just concerned about, that you're not sure that Jesus can. But but Jesus says, keep on faith, believing, continue to believe. What Where it is it? We all have stuff. And the beauty of this experience here is that it doesn't matter where you are. You could be the best-known person in the country, or you could be unknown. Jesus says, continue to have faith. So in the mornings uh, for this year, I've been using this little book called Seeking God's Face, Um, and it has some scripture in it, um, some things to think about and things to pray. And then at the end, the writer um, writes a prayer that you can just read as kind of your final prayer of of that morning. And a few weeks ago, I um, came across one prayer that I thought was just really interesting and, and fit for this idea of persistent bold faith. And here's what the here's the prayer. I will read it and then we'll pray together. Um, Listening God, you invite us to pray, to call on you and to change our world. how bored you must be with our sometimes safe and harmless prayers. saturate our lives with the Holy Spirit so that we know what to pray, who to pray for, and how best to pray. Holy Spirit, shake up the ways we pray, quickening our hearts and expanding our expectations so that we may live our faith more boldly. Amen. And I just, when I read that, I thought, Jesus, are you bored with my prayers? Are they just not enough? Am I, am I too cautious am i too do i too give up too easily on how you want to pray or want me to pray think about that and ask the holy spirit how do you want me to pray who do you want me to pray for and how should i pray in faith so let me pray for us so lord even even right now those at home those that are here Lord, we bring before you those things that are t- sometimes just too hard to pray for, those situations we don't really trust that you could work in, Th- those things that maybe we've prayed for for years, that person that we've prayed for for years. And, and Lord, we're feeling like giving up on it. And, and you just say no. No. Keep on praying. Keep on growing your faith. Continue to have this persistent faith that doesn't give up in the midst of obstacles. And Lord, we can pray about that for things that are personally going on for us. We can pray about those things that are happening in our nation. We can pray for those things that are happening in the world. The Lord, help us to be like Jairus, to be like this unnamed woman who did not give up but continued to believe. Help us not to give in to fear but to continue to trust you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us on what to pray for how to pray, and who to pray for. That we might see you do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.